Welcome to the Barrier Breakdown, Disrupting Mental Health Podcast, where we talk about the clinical and practical issues that face those working in the mental health industry. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Barrier Breakdown, Disrupting Mental Health. My name is Erin Molino Bailey. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Cognitive Behavior Institute. And my co-host, Dr. Kevin Caridad, who is the CEO and owner at Cognitive Behavior Institute. Uh, this week, we are joined by a guest, Edward Mills, who is a professor of health sciences at McMaster University in Ontario, Canada, and the principal investigator of the TOGETHER trial, the largest placebo-controlled trial of COVID interventions in the world. So Ed, thank you so much for spending the time today with us and our listeners. We really appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me, Erin. Could you uh, start the conversation off with, can you let us know a little bit about how, how did you become involved in this research? Sure, well, I've done clinical trials for about 25 years, particularly on viruses. Uh, and I've worked internationally for the majority of my career, mostly on HIV, which has led me to work with partners in Africa, you know, Asia um, and, and South America. So when COVID struck, um, it being a viral disease, infectious diseases, I was quite familiar with what the process was likely to play out in terms of, um, you know, different waves of it, different variants, uh, the, the priority for uh, preventing people from getting hospitalized, which might overwhelm the, the uh, health system. So this is all fairly um, standard uh, stuff for anybody who's got a long career in infectious diseases. Uh, but there aren't that many people who have that long career in infectious diseases. And, and um, for some reason, we're, we're the, the older people who I value the most uh, in terms of you know, the older scientists haven't had much of a role in this. And, and um, we probably need to hear more from them. And can you tell us a little bit about the drug and tell us a little bit about uh, the research behind it saving lives of COVID-19 patients? Sure. Well, you know, I run this very large trial. It's a new way of doing clinical trials. Um, so you can have multiple arms going at any one time. So over the course of the last year and a half, we've evaluated 11 different interventions in our clinical trial. Um, so it's a highly efficient way to evaluate drugs for this condition. Um, of course, most of the drugs don't work. The one that the first one that we've identified, and thankfully we have a second, but the first one that we've identified um, that could reduce hospitalization and progression of disease was a drug called fluvoxamine, which is a repurposed drug. Repurposed drugs are particularly attractive in the COVID pandemic because uh, repurposed means we've had them around for a long time. They're in many pharmacies. They've already been approved by FDA and the equivalent in other countries. And therefore we know their safety profile. So we don't have to be too concerned about any emerging safety concerns. Um, but we're mostly concerned whether or not they work. And uh, so fluvoxamine, we did this large trial. At the time, it was the largest early treatment clinical trial that there had been. Um, and we showed on average a little bit more than 30% reduction in the need for hospitalization. Can you tell me what the trade name, the, the other name also known as uh, fluvoxamine? Sure, it's, the trade name is Luvox. Luvox. Okay, great. In some and ways... Well, in some ways, we would have probably had greater success if we had just not given it a name. And I think one of the uh, drawbacks to using repurposed medicines is that uh, people start, you know, they hear that this drug was an antidepressant, and they start thinking about 
other people they know who might be on antidepressants. And that's not what the purpose of the, you know, that's not what the role of this drug is. We're not talking about it in the context of an antidepressant. We're talking about it in the context of a, you know, a, a drug for a virus or a viral, viral disease. How did you guys come to the decision to uh, choosing uh, Luvox for, for this particular arm? So there had been a smaller study run from people run by some investigators out of uh, Washington University in St. Louis. Um, two investigators there, Eric Lenzi and Angela Ryerson, had uh, come up with a theoretical, you know, biological mechanism by where they expected this drug to have anti-inflammatory properties. They compared it to other antidepressants at the time. They're both psychiatrists, and uh, so they they ran a small trial. It was I think 150 people, and they showed a significant effect on reducing progression to disease. At which time, then we, uh, the funder who funded them, which is an organiza organization called Fast Grants, they approached us because they were aware of our infrastructure and asked us whether or not we would be willing to evaluate this drug in, um, you know, in a larger setting. And absolutely, we were. There is a principle for our trial, which is, you know, because we're working in some poorer countries, Brazil, South Africa, Pakistan, um, that we are only interested in drugs in our clinical trial that have a likelihood of being used in the setting that um, we, we prove that they work. So we're not really interested in doing expensive monoclonal antibodies or some of the antivirals that may never end up available in the community. Fluvoxamine, Luvox, would be a great example of that. It's already approved in many, many countries. Um, and there are related drugs to it, like uh, fluoxetine, Prozac, uh, which should have a similar enough treatment effect. And we're doing that evaluation in our clinical trial at the moment. If that's useful, that'll be even better because um, it has a longer half-life. It's a little bit cheaper and more broadly available in poor countries. The results that you saw at that 30%, you know, how did that look with regard to age, sex, ethnicity, and other demographic variables? It was consistent across all subgroups, so it seemed to work for all patients. You know, we excluded individuals who, who were already on antidepressants, but that's only a small proportion of people in, uh, in, in Brazil. We included people who were at the time predominantly unvaccinated. Having said that, we have restarted the trial um, to uh, examine whether or not the drug has continuous effects within a predominantly vaccinated population, and we're running that trial right now. Well, so and you had mentioned there was a second medication um, that, that may be also effective. Can you, can you chat a little bit about that? Uh, it wouldn't be appropriate to do that right now. I can just tell you that there's good news coming out. All right. Awesome. Well, we always, we always like to ask anyways. <laughs> so, We'd like to have you back once you're able to talk about it. Yeah. Sure, sure. Now, what I am excited about and what I think there will be every reason for optimism is the combination arm that we currently are evaluating in the trial, which is fluvoxamine plus an inhaled steroid called budesonide. The reason that I'm excited about this is we've got clear evidence of the treatment benefits from fluvoxamine. It gives you about a 30% reduction in hospitalization. And there's clear evidence for the role of an inhaled corticosteroid like budesonide coming from the principal trial in the UK uh, run by Oxford University. They did a very nice clinical trial, showed that it, on average it had about a 30% improvement in time to recovery from uh, COVID. This is great because, uh, you know, an inhaled steroid is something that people can use when they're not feeling particularly well. You know, if they're having uh, difficulty breathing, they can use that inhaled steroid. So unlike an oral drug, 
where they, uh, you know, take it once or twice a day, this is something you can take as, as needed per se. Mm -hmm. And so looking at the combination, we have every reason to believe that there would be an additive treatment effect. So the benefits, the approximate 30% benefit with sulfoxamine, the approximate 30% benefit that we see with budesonide, you put them together and it should be 50 to 60% benefit. With regard to the timing, so time of disease and treatment with this either single or, or uh, combined medications, has there been anything in the research illustrating, is there like a window period that this, this is effective? Right. So for these ones, um, the window period we have evaluated was day zero to seven of symptomatic, being symptomatic. So historically, uh, you know, during the period of gamma and delta, for example, the variants, the belief was you would likely have been infected approximately a week before you become symptomatic. That's changed dramatically now with Omicron. And we don't really know, uh, when I say we, I'll just say I don't really know at what point infection turns into symptoms. Uh, I think it's a much shorter period of time. Um, you know, obviously we have other antivirals right now, the Pfizer drug, for example, it appears to be most effective when it's taken zero to three days of symptoms. The Merck drug, I don't actually believe it works very well, but that was evaluated zero mm -hmm. to five, five days. Um, now, they're both antiviral drugs. And so the course of this disease is, is quite typical for a, a viral infection, which is that you get infected, you, um, you have a, uh, a response in the body where, whereby the uh, virus perpetuates, you have a much larger lo viral load in the early days. At some point, that viral load stimulates an inflammatory response. You hear about it as the, the, um, the, the, um, uh, the storm, the cytokine storm. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and eventually, that cytokine storm in some patients is going to lead to organ failure. And so the specific drugs target, target different aspects of that um, cascade of the, of the disease. Now, the antivirals, Pfizer and Merck drugs, are targeted towards the um, a viremic period where you have a lot of virus in your system. Uh, we believe that the anti, um, the anti, the, the fluvoxamine um, antidepressant is, is most useful during the anti-inflammatory period. So that second phase, and then um, the aspects of immune modulation and, and uh, organ failure those are probably something where I'm not sure whether or not the drugs we've evaluated are going to have much of a role in there. Undoubtedly, steroids continue to have a role in the, those populations, but many of those people end up getting hospitalized. Um, so I'm very optimistic that combining an antiviral with an anti-inflammatory also would be ideal, and that's part of our plan within the trial too. Exciting news. You know, you mentioned Omicron, so you're talking about variants. This particular, uh, these, these two drugs are individuals, whether it be the steroid or the Luvox. Was that specific variants? Is it support all variants? So thus far, it's been across all variants. I think it's worth noting that uh, in South America, where we ran the majority of our trial, they have had a predominant gamma variant until Omicron came along, whereas in North America and Europe, for example, it's predominantly a delta variant and now Omicron. Having said all of that, um, in my experience working with viruses, drugs work or they don't work. And they don't really care that much about what the variant is. Um, so, you know, looking at hepatitis C, looking at HIV, different well-established um, uh, viruses, the choice of drugs is really not that dependent on the variant. Gotcha.
All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to share your research with us. It's absolutely fascinating. And when you are ready to reveal some additional findings, we hope to uh, have a further conversation with you. Thanks very much. I think there's reason for optimism, but obviously we all want out of this as quickly as possible. And uh, I'm not I, I, I'm not exactly sure when that's going to happen. Well, Amen. that's an excellent way to end it because I think we're all here for the optimism. So thanks so much for your time, Ed. Thank you, Erin. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks. And thank you everyone for tuning in for this week's episode of The Barrier Breakdown. We will be sure to post the links uh, to Ed's research and articles that are available online. Um, so if you are interested, you know, definitely check those out. We hope everyone stays safe and healthy. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Barrier Breakdown, Disrupting Mental Health. Listeners can find all of our episodes on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. For more information and to learn about upcoming continuing education events, check out our website, cbicenterforeducation.com, our Facebook pages, Cognitive Behavior Institute, and CBI Center for Education, as well as our Instagram at Cognitive Behavior Institute, and our Twitter at CBI underscore Pittsburgh. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. We hope you'll tune in for another guest next week.